We back at it. That was amazing. That was awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Con and Don Variety Show. I am your host, Old Joe Steen, and you can live your best life tomorrow. I am your co-host, Connor Long, and I have a deviated septum. (laughs) (laughs) And we have with us today... Oh, Tizzle, Topanga. It's a pleasure to be with you. Man. It's a pleasure to have you. It is such a pleasure to have you on our podcast, man. As soon as I heard about this podcast, it's always been a dream of mine to be on a podcast, honestly. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good podcasts out there. When I heard this podcast, I was like, screw the other ones. I want to be on Con and Don Variety Show. Oh, yeah. Man. Dreams happen. On Conadon Variety Dreams, Show. Dreams get made and dreams get broken. And it is quite nice to have a faithful listener and a good friend on here who That's what we is want. so talented as you. Oh, well, mm. talent is a stretch. I mean, say what you will, dude. That was, that was really good. That was phenomenal. I hope my, my violin teacher never listens to it. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say she won't. He, she will not. I, you might be underselling yourself. Hey. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe one day, whenever we go worldwide. Yeah. We can do a, a Con and Don world tour featuring O-Tizzle Topanga on the fiddle dizzle. Oh. <laughs> a few people have gotten that name right the first time. So O-Tizzle on the fiddizzle. <laughs> <laughs> like Heck yeah, man. So what kind of fiddle are you playing for us? Well, it is an Andrea... Alberti. I actually just read that inside the uh, the instrument there. I got it from um, Claire Givens Violins in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Wow. My grandparents bought it for me as a graduation present. From um, high school? Yeah, well, as a graduation, it wasn't really a meaningful graduation. It was like a <laughs> grade transfer thing, but it was a big deal in the homeschool group I was in. Okay. Like, I'd, it was like moving levels, age groups. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, so now... When I got to that group, it was like a big change for me also in my violin. I was starting to play more complex songs, and um, my grandma wanted to buy me a new one for my birthday, which also coincided with this this change. And so right. she surprised me bringing this. It's a really nice violin store. I didn't know this at the time, but apparently they outfit a lot of really good professional classical violinists with hmm. violins made at this store. It's not just... Wow. A, it's not, they don't just, you know sell them there they also make it they're luthier i think is the proper term so we went there and i got to try a bunch of violins this one was my favorite and it's man it really needs new strings it it looks beautiful thank you violins are just got a lot of character they're immaculate pieces of it is a gorgeous instrument yeah i'd say it's probably the most you know cultured thing i own just got a name (laughs) andrea alberti i mean come on fancy handmade so do you have violin uh like, where do you pull inspiration from? Who are some of your influences? Okay, like yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, I've been able to talk about this for a long time. I guess you kind of forgot. But also watch out for that shower. I don't want to turn Please the shower Please do not hit because... the shower. <laughs> uh, we're going to pull the veil back uh, another time. OT is sitting in the shower on a bar stool. You can see a video of him playing the fiddle on the Con and Don Variety Show Instagram sitting in the bathtub. Yep. OT, Orin Topanga, I like that. I think I'll go by OT more often. You should. Anyway, it's so uh, where I draw inspiration from. Um, bluegrass, like 
but yeah, bluegrass musician. So Bill Monroe, he wrote the uh, violin piece, Jerusalem Ridge, or at least some, I believe he wrote it. He's mm-hmm. the most well-known one who has performed it anyway. Um, so any of you bluegrass listeners out there, don't crucify me for it. Um, <laughs> but then also there's this um, Irish folk band called Gaelic Storm who tour oh. a lot. Are you familiar with that? I love Gaelic There's Storm. No one else has ever heard of Gaelic Storm. What? I haven't heard of Gaelic Storm. They're, you gotta check them out after. got to. I'm phenomenal. definitely going to, yeah. Oh, they're so good. They actually wrote the the dance music in that uh, dancing scene in the Titanic. When really? Yeah. It's them playing it. That's huh. Gaelic Storm. I never knew that. The Titanic set in their album, I don't remember what the album's called but the one with uh, Johnny Jump Up and yeah so at the very bottom it has the Titanic set and it's uh, it's that it's that whole dance jig it's that's awesome. amazing so I listened to them a lot when I was a kid with uh, at, at this homeschool thing I actually got a lot of friends who I say homeschool it's, 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 it's a little misleading it was a homeschool group we all met together once a week I made some good friends there and one of my friends there introduced me to Gaelic Storm. We actually went to a Gaelic Storm concert to this day. Whoa! It's the, to this day, it's the only band I've seen live. What? Isn't that really? amazing? I mean, if I you're going to see one. one. I'm, I'm, they had this big... We had this big... Um, I'm not slightly digressing here, but it's to the point. We had this big venue up near Lake Superior, where I lived in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. It was called Big Shot, Big Top Chautauqua. It was this big outdoor tent. Sweet. And they'd get it all set up, and they these people... They, the, the Gaelic Storm come up. They loved it. They did it every year. And they'd come That's in awesome. and perform in August. And so we'd go up and watch them. But I remember listening to their music, and there was some mean fiddle plan uh. that they do on Gaelic Storm. If you listen to them, you know. And they tear it up. And I was just like, I want to be able to play Irish jigs like that. Yeah, and man. so it's one of the reasons why I opened it up with that Irish jig. It's, it's one of the first compl- complicated songs I learned. Uh, and it was a really big benchmark for me because that was like the point. That was the entire reason. I've learned classical pieces. I've learned Beethoven. I've learned Mozart. Some of their simpler pieces, of course. I'm not going to say I'm a virtuoso or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, my passion for playing is bluegrass music like Jerusalem Ridge, which I'm still working on. It's a hard song. And hey, okay. Irish, folks, uh, Irish folk tunes. Yeah, man. It's, I love it. So it's the beautiful. Gaelic Storm album is a special reserve. Oh, yeah. Special reserve. That's it. Oh, that, yeah. I recognize that. I had to, I had to look at it. If you, if you look at it, it's got a pint with an arm coming out <laughs> of the foam playing a fiddle. It's is. awesome. They're, they're a good album to listen to, but if you don't see them live, a lot of their character is lost. They're definitely a live performing band. Right. How but big of a band is it? I don't know. Because to me, they were huge as a kid because that's uh-huh. all I knew. So as, as far as on, this, on their, their national scene... I don't know how big they actually are. Hmm. Do you, Connor? I, I don't know. Probably five to, I would say five to six people. <laughs> well, I, I saw them perform in Asheville. A lot of people showed up, so I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Oh. I mean, like, how many pieces of the oh. band are there? Oh, I thought you, like how you many said members. how big, like, how popular. Yeah, oh, my bad. Uh, it, it, yeah. It's shifted over the... Of the time I've seen it, it's been different people. The the most inconsistent person, ironically, is the violinist. Really? Because it's always female. She's always female, and uh-huh. they always get pregnant, and oh. they quit. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I think I, they've gone through three violinists since I've. Wow. Uh, yes. Everyone else has been the same. They've got a Canadian who is like their jack of all <clears throat> trades guy. He plays the bagpipes, plays the 
penny whistle. You know, all the different, ah. like... Oh, you did ten whistle. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then they've got the drummer, which who I believe is... I don't know his name. I don't know any of their names, actually. Mm. We won't fuck Is it like an actual drum set? He's got an actual drum set. He's got a Gaelic, like, you know those hand drums? Oh, yeah. They hold it like like this deal. They got that thing they hold oddly in their hand. For you listeners, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And they just slap the, you know, the drum, which is yeah. really cool. So they've, they've got... The, the lead singer knows how to play that, and the drummer plays that, too, as well. Sometimes he'll put on these, uh, like, guards on his hand and get down and just just wail on this drum in between his legs. He's very diverse, as far as I'm aware. I'm not a drummer. Mm. but So he plays with the drum set, too, though, as well. Um, and then they've got a backup vocalist who so does sing his own songs sometimes, and mm. guitarist, and then the lead singer who plays the spoons and oh, sings. That's so cool. And then the violinist. So one, two, three, four, five that's pretty good I mean and as far as how like popular they are I think they've they're pretty popular like I couldn't tell if they were joking or not but one time I went and seen them and they said that they topped um what's the singing group uh all women that that are big big on the Spice Celtic girls? music no they're big in the Celtic world Celtic oh. women? Oh, yeah, Kel- Celtic women. So they, they talked about how it's they... It's a Celtic band that has all the women. <laughs> Celtic women. <laughs> yeah. so they're, they're like the famous ones that I'm aware of, and one year they joked about topping them in the charts on their music. Huh. And so I don't know if they were joking or not, because in my mind, Celtic women was were bigger than... Really? I just... I need to get more into the Celtic music scene. The High Kings? Have you listened to the High Kings? I haven't listened to any have Celtic not. music, other okay. than the... Uh, as far as performance goes, it's like a Guinness commercial. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> the High Kings is you gotta listen to. Okay, they got it. They're, they're great performers. Uh, they the Dropkick Murphys, Flogging Molly, phenomenal. Oh yeah. Shipping <laughs> out to Boston. Whoa. <laughs> Wait, hold on one second. Let me see. If if this doesn't work, we can edit it out. Okay, that's fine. Fire it up. So what do you twist in there on okay. your boat? So uh, on the back here, this is um, called the frog. And this uh, this nut here, it tightens the, the hairs. You don't want it. This frog moves back and forth, so it tightens it, it loosens it. And you don't want to ever leave it too tight when you're the playing tightness because it does oh. harm to the bow and you lose some of its bounciness. Now I understand, which I might have just learned this from elementary school, mm-hmm. but it stuck with me. Are those horse, horse hairs? hairs. They are horsehairs. Good job, Mrs. Bailey. <laughs> no, so uh, while you're thinking, Erin, my girlfriend, play, used to play the violin, and she took it on a mission trip to Honduras one time, and the Honduran uh, TSA agents, I guess, they were like, hey, you have a music case. We need to do random search on you. Oh. So they open up her case, and they're inspecting everything, and this guard takes his fingers on each side of the horsehairs and just no, no, ruined it. Ruined the bow right there. What a chotch. That's I know. terrible. Grade A chotch. Yeah. She <laughs> I, said I that. I'm not a violinist, and I yeah. was writhing in my skin. <laughs> I mean, that's somebody, I'm trying to think of the, you know, might as well go into a piano and cut the strings of the bow cutters. Yeah. yeah, that's the equation. <laughs> it completely ruins your instrument. It's Dang. just useless at that point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what are you gonna do? Play like a guitar? I do that sometimes, but it's not as cool. Or no, go up to a drum set and stab all the drum heads. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the equivalent. Yeah. I brought my fiddle to every time I went to Honduras with uh, Snowbird. Mm-hmm. 
Did she go with Snowbird or did she go separately? She went with Sparrow Missions. Okay. It's a different one. Mm. Well, when, when I went, every time I went, yeah, they definitely checked my case, but they were never super invasive. I mean, mm-hmm. they'd take the violin out, they'd check the case, make sure I wasn't hiding anything. Right. They'd shake the violin, be like, you got cocaine in there? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, did you? I, I taped it so they couldn't feel it shaking. <laughs> Man, close one. Write that down, write that down. So, where were we? Were you going to try something? I think going to try a song. I think I'm not... Okay, all right. That's fine, that's fine. Hold on, might as well. We can edit it out. I'm a sailor pig! (laughs) Let's go! I didn't Man, do that. that, that was, was awesome. Really so good. that, that, that actually kind of goes into the next thing about the violining, it, fiddle playing, whatever. I suck at <laughs> reading music. Do you? I cannot read music to save my life. My violin teacher and I sometimes, when I was up in Wisconsin, he would have me just read sheet music and tell him the notes for wow. an hour, for the hour lesson. That's all we would do. Oh my gosh. Because he was like, We'd, I, if I'd take it out of the piddle, he'd be like, Warren, can you play this? And I was like, I don't know. He'd play it to me first. And he'd play it to me, then I'd figure it out. But I'd Man. have to hear it first. That's a gift of itself. And so well, so it's fun because I can just hear it and then try to replicate it. But at the same time, if I look at music, I don't really understand mm. what I'm doing. I'm just replicating the sound. Yeah, right. Like monkey see, monkey do. The monkey doesn't know why it's doing it. That's me playing on the <laughs> I think Zach Mabry would probably agree with his guitar playing. Oh, He'd yeah. I yeah. describe it in the same way. Yeah. And so, so with people who don't maybe understand or aren't as critical with how they hear things, which, mm. you know, me, I'm not detail-oriented, so it's fine. It works for me. But for <laughs> drive my violin teacher off the wall because they'd be trying to get me to get to the next level, and... My brain did not follow music, which was crazy. It was cool because I was in a band, or I was in a group, like a school orchestra with a bunch of other people playing the violin, mm-hmm. and some of them couldn't remember music to save their life. Really? Huh. But they could read it like No Tomorrow. Yeah. And it would translate to their fingers like as they were reading it, like oh. they were supposed to. Yeah. Uh, but they couldn't remember it. Like for me, once I learned it, like that fiddle tune I played at the beginning of this podcast, I learned back in two thousand and like ten. Wow! And I've never forgotten it. That's awesome. And, and most most songs are like that, or songs pieces, whatever, mm-hmm. are like that for me. And it's great. I really enjoy it. And I'm, the Lord has blessed me with that kind of gift. But it's annoying because I can do it easily, and it didn't take too much discipline to get there. And right. discipline needed to be applied to the learning of reading music. And yeah. I can I can identify what notes are which and what length those notes are. But mm-hmm. as far as putting it all together, I usually can't do it unless I've heard it first. If I hear it, I've, I can read proficiently enough to where if I hear the song and then try and read it, then I it's helpful. Yeah. But as far as, like, sheet music in and of itself is completely useless to me. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> if I agreed. don't know how the song goes. Yeah, well, yeah. I did I did indoor drum line and marching band in high school and then for a year in college. And when I did indoor, um, it was like we get done with rehearsal at, like, 12 o'clock and then uh, have to be back at 6 a.m. that next morning. And that night, right before we leave, we get new music to play. And so they'd hand us maybe like 
140 measures, and they're like, hey, you got to know oh, this by shoot. tomorrow morning. So me What's and that, like five pages of music, something like that. Yeah. Um, but like, hey, you guys got to have this memorized by tomorrow because we're marching and playing it. And we'd show up, and if it's like if one of us didn't have it all memorized, then we we're holding everyone else back. Yeah. And so that was the environment that I grew up in, where it's like I, ha- I had to know how to read this to survive, <laughs> or else I was going to get booted. I played the Tender Drones. Okay. And I played for a group That's called Triple Crown. That way. It's for drums. So the tenors, it's like, it's the marching instrument that it has six total drums. Um, and so it's just each line represents a different one of the drums. And it's mm. like, that's how you read it. Notation is the same as far as like the length of notes and like how many to play. Um, There's no staff though, right? No. It's just, yep. just length. It's just like, all right, the notes on this line, you play this drum. It's mm. on this line, you play this other drum. Um... And so that's how we would have to read it. Dude, I would not have made it in that environment. Because yeah. it would have taken me way too long to learn the piece. Yeah, well, it's it was good because that's, you know, I learned drum set by ear. Mm-hmm. I can't read drum set sheet music mm-hmm. very well. Um, but I started doing that when I was like eight and then didn't actually get introduced to sheet music until freshman year of high school. And that was my first time, like, being a marching band or playing the, the tenors. And so... Um, it's like you'd show up to rehearsal, get your music, practice that music the whole day, go home, have to memorize it, show up, get new music. Mm-hmm. And so you just had to know it. Because you, you, you can't be marching and playing and trying to read something all at the mm-hmm. same time because that just doesn't mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have had to get with the kid that was good at reading the music, listen to him play it, and then learn it that way. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I would. Mm. Yeah. Are there any songs that you get mad at when people ask you to play them? Oh, yeah, Devil Went Down to Georgia. That's the one I have <laughs> There's always that one. It's like, we play Freebird. Okay, yes, that is the play violin equivalent. Down to Georgia. That is the violin. In fact, it was so... I've got it. So, ever since I picked the thing up and would play... Like, my mom would put me up on the fireplace mantle, you know, wherever. The, the little oh, yeah, thing. classic. Like, All right, play for everybody. They're like, you know what Devil Went Down to Georgia? No, like, Screw <laughs> you, I'm playing... <laughs> Baba Black Sheep. <laughs> and, uh, but even like in college, I'd be playing and practicing, trying to keep what I've got. And my roommate would be like, dude, you know, Devil went down to Georgia. I'd be like, if you ask me that one more time, I'm throwing you out the window. But I, so I started learning it because I was like, I. Can't be in this <laughs> There's limbo. a certain point where you just give in. You're yeah. like, all right, fine. And so I've got it the first. Like the introduction. Yeah. Like that. I've got that part. I didn't want to learn the rest of it because the rest of it's mostly accompaniment to the song itself. Yeah. And it's not fun to play. But whenever somebody says, you know, Devil Went Down to Georgia, I can just bust that out. They go, oh, that's so cool. Then I quit and they're satisfied. It's just that is nice. And do you know how I learned it? As I looked up a slow version of somebody playing it. I there you go. Really? I said, screw the shit. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's yeah. cool. I I had that struggle a lot because all of my family were big, like, yacht rock, like, 70s classic rock people. So whenever my family found out that I, fa- I played the guitar, I got Freebird. Okay. I got a lot of Van Morrison. Like, oh, Connor. You've got to play that one Van Morrison song and be like, no, I know Dave Matthews, and that's it. There you go. 
<laughs> Mine was that Phil Collins song. Mm. I don't remember what it's called. Because oh, do, I, do, 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 I can do, feel do, it coming do, in the air tonight. Yeah, one song oh, I would love. gladly play anytime. What's new, Pussycat? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Stop it with the What's New Pussycat. I love that song so much. And I hate it with the burning cat lips. A thousand suns. I just cannot <laughs> I just, I cannot stand it. I, I think like it's I'm just hilarious. Oh, it's great. Have it's you, such a funny song. Have you have you heard uh, that comedian's bit on the What's New Pussycat? Uh, oh yeah, John Mulaney. John yes. Mulaney. 21 times. You would have been the guy that freaked out. Yes, I would have. I would have been the guy that would physically assaulted somebody. You I wouldn't mean, have made it to song six. No. You would have probably gone in song two. No, what I would have next time I go to Waffle House. Oh my gosh. I'll stick around for one, but two, you're done. I'm walking out, <laughs> throwing money, throwing my money at the waitress and leaving. <laughs> Whether or not your food is there. Yeah, just take it. I'm done. We'll see about that. Ah, you'll you'll probably see that on the Instagram. <laughs> this just in: local man trashes local Waffle House. And rage quits. <laughs> After John Mulaney Wannabe plays What's New Pussycat 21 times. <laughs> we call it the What's New Pussycat Challenge. See how many times you can play it straight. Oh my gosh. Before you get kicked out of the Before you get house. kicked out. All right. Challenge for any of y'all at home. If you got a Waffle House nearby. Or just a go, jukebox in general. Or just a jukebox in general. Go up there. Play What's New Pussycat as much as you can. Let us know how many times you get there. Blake Lacey. I'm relying on you for that one. Logan Massey, we're relying on you for that one. When I'm curious to know, do you get kicked out? Does it get unplugged or do people leave? Which one happens first? Mm, you get kicked out or people get up and leave? Right, which one's first? All right, I'm going to give you I, two almost... points. Two points for people getting up and leaving because you played the song. You win like, if you get kicked no, out. No, I feel like it's the opposite. Really? I feel like you get kicked out, that then you, you tip your hand to be the one who's guilty. <laughs> the goal should be to clear the restaurant because they're <laughs> so mad. Because then you that's can get a away good, with it at that that's point. That's a good idea. All right, clear the clear the restaurant. If you clear a restaurant, we will Venmo you ten dollars. Yes, or Connor we'll will Venmo you ten dollars. Or, or you guys will finally make a Con and Don Brady show sticker and send it to him. I haven't thought about that. I mean, that's the sign of a five, high five. You should a very gentle high five. You should have me on more often. We should. We really should, man. You are just a factory of really good ideas. Now, other stuff to talk about. Yes. You have a good bit to talk about trout. No, yeah. I don't know, Barry. Tell, tell us about your day there, Oren. <laughs> it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> to quote a book I've never read. <laughs> Ten points. <laughs> if you know what that book is. Oh, it's a Tale of Two Cities. Is it? Is that correct? I don't think so. Oh. I actually might be wrong on this, but I think it's The Catcher in the Rye. Oh. Hey, fact checker boy. I don't know how to read. <laughs> Zach Vickers will know. He read The Catcher in the Rye. I'll text him right now. <laughs> Screw Google. No, We're no, texting no, I, Zach Vickers. I, I, I don't think it's The Catcher in the Rye. I don't know why that even came up in my head, but I felt like it was trivia and I knew to sound smart. I'm like an idiot. <laughs> hey, what else, bro? Yeah, you know. So tell us about this. Uh, tell us about this trout experience. Well, I was feeling cocky, and mm-hmm. so when I pitched my idea to come on the show, I'd be like, "Hey, I'll talk about trout fishing because I'm doing it a lot now." Yeah, and uh, I've been doing pretty good at it. I've gone out like three times since the 
uh, not the delayed harvest, but the hatchery supported yep. rivers here right, have opened up, mm -hmm. and I've caught fish every time I've gone out. I uh, caught a limit one time, I caught three another time. And really? I caught two another time. So, you know, caught fish. Right. Um, and I usually caught more depending on, it wasn't just that I did better or worse on one day, it was all depending on the time I spent out there. So the more time I was out there, the more fish I caught. And um, I kind of got dialed in if they weren't biting on the worms, which, guys, if you're out there and you're not, catching trout and you're throwing those spinners put the spinner away put on an eight size bait hook two split shot sinkers and a freaking night crawler you will catch trout pause zach vickers said a tale of two cities by charles dickens hey you're right 10 points darl's chickens darl's chickens that was the best of times and worst times that was i feel like that's a modern I feel like that's like after Charles Dickens. Yeah, that's saying. Yeah, it, uh, that's. Uh, I guess it's carried. I guess he made it what it is today. Maybe he is. Okay, so yeah. put on a eight size hook. Yep, eight size bait hook. Um, two split shots. I don't care what weight it is. Whatever works. You know, something like a quarter ounce split shot. Right. And then a freaking night crawler. Mm -hmm. You will catch fish. I have, I have actually yet to try a live worm that's, trout fishing. That, that's, so I fished with some locals here after I moved from Wisconsin, which up in Wisconsin, there's not a lot of trout fishing. Really? You've got a few good good rivers. I mean, there may be someone from Wisconsin listening to this that should be like, I catch trout all the time. Where I grew up, I'll amend this, where I grew up, there wasn't a lot of trout fishing. Mm -hmm. A lot of walleyes, a lot of smallmouth, a lot of largemouth. We did a lot of lake fishing um, right. from the boat or from your dock, you know, whatever. And you just fish. The fishing was different. You know, you you weren't trying to read the river. You're trying to find structure. You're trying to hold bait in front of the fish. Where here, you're trying to find, okay, where is it going to float past them? At least mm -hmm. so far that I've known. Again, uh, I didn't get to say this at the beginning of this section of trout, but I am not a trout expert. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am a flatlander Yankee whose fish <laughs> is for smallmouth and walleye who is trying to get into the trout game. So if you are also trying to get into the trout game, you who are listening, th then I'm probably your guy because I've made a lot of mistakes. Today <laughs> was one of them, but I can't figure out what the mistake was. Oh, I hate those days. Those are the worst. I don't know. I don't know if it was I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time or if somebody got there before me or what. Josh, Dan. I woke up. Yeah, well, okay, let me just tell the story. So I woke up this morning early because I wanted to get to the Nanahala River before they turned it on. They turned the water on. For those of you who don't know, there's a dam in the lower Nanahala comes up and goes mm -hmm. down as they turn it on and off, which is pretty crazy. If you want to trip somebody out, you said tell them to turn the water on, and they'll think you're a liar, but you won't be. <laughs> um, so anyway, I wanted to go and fish that because when it's lower, the trout are forced into more concentrated locations, and the water's not moving as fast, so you can work a bait more consistently yeah. in the slower-moving water. Um, and so I found, went to the, maybe it was my choice of location, because I have not fished a lot of the lower. Uh, yeah. Maybe I would have done better in different areas, but I caught nothing. I saw trout hitting the surface. Maybe part of it, too. I think this might be a big part. The mayfly hatch is starting. Oh, is it? Yes. Ooh. So I saw mayflies this morning. I saw them on the water. I saw trout hitting them, so they might have just been completely ignored to eating anything under the water. 
Yeah. But I fished with a Rapala minnow. I fished with a... I didn't hit the minnow? Oh, let me tell you what. If... Brook trout will destroy yeah. a minnow. Oh yeah, but I didn't today. know this. They, I, I, I was fishing. This was last fall. A slight digression. I was fishing last fall. I was fishing with my worm, which I always catch fish, like I said. And I was fishing with a spinner, and I was catching nothing. To, so I guess I never. I don't always catch fish on a worm because today I wasn't that day or that day I wasn't. And I went in and I had this Rapala that I've had ever since I was a little kid, and uh-huh. it'd be become a it'd be become a little like. Like, my, my version of Fuzzy Dice. It would hang by my rear view mirror. Nice. <laughs> and I went in, I was just like, you know, what the heck? And I went and ripped that thing out of the... <laughs> I just had it hooked straight into the fabric of my ceiling of my car. <laughs> I ripped that thing out, tied it on my, my rod, and cast out their first hit. This rainbow just smoked it. Oh. From that moment on, I was just like, oh, they eat they eat Rapalas, Rapalas. They do. And I was it's so, incredible. So, I, I this morning I started with a Rapala. Because I had this bigger size one that I wanted to try, mm-hmm. especially on that bigger water, see if I get a big, bigger fish to eat. Didn't get anything on that one, so I switched to a spinner, and I just I had to, I have two rods that I always go with, so I don't have to tie on as much. Right. Mm-hmm. And I fished until the water came on, and I was pretty low down. So even though they turned it on at nine, it didn't get down to me until nine forty, and I started fishing at like eight thirty. So I had about an hour of fishing, hour and ten minutes, and I didn't catch a single fish, and I saw. At least twenty fish hit the surface, so they were around. That is so I was in the right place. It was it was the worst, and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go make myself feel better before I start and actually do school today. And so I f- pulled into the Valley Town River, um, mm-hmm. which flows through Andrews, if you don't know, and they've got this pool that's pretty much man-made <laughs> that the Valley Brown River flows into and out of, and that's where the good old stalker truck pulls up and th- dumps hundreds of fish right into that hole. Yep. And now, of course, they go up and downstream, but the majority of them, they stick right there in that hole. And all you got to yep. do is put a worm on a hook, dangle it in there for a little bit, and boom, you can feel like you're a rock star angler because they're just going to attack it. <laughs> Perfect. I went there. Guess what? What? I, I got a fish on. No. Yeah, it was awesome. And then it came off at the bank. Oh, dude. And I was like, dude. And then the rest of the day, I, I, not the rest of the day, I was only there for like a half hour, but um, they were nipping the ends of my worm. And I didn't have a lot of ends of my worm off my hook. Right. But they were like surgically taking quarter inch bites <laughs> off of my worm. Man, and that was like, okay, I'm just going home. I'm just going home. And I did school the rest of the day. And then I called um, and made sure that when what time we were going to start this podcast. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go down. I had a day removed. The day I had time to warm up. Maybe the fish were a little sluggish in this cold weather because it was cold this morning. And um, I went there and I saw the Duns mm-hmm. who were there. They caught like seven fish. One of them was a brook trout that had to have weighed like eight pounds. Oh my gosh! It was it was no joke. About a good eighteen inches long, <laughs> about oh, as big Lord. around as a freaking football. Oh my gosh! It was huge. And they were like, "Yeah, there's more in there too." We saw him. We saw him swimming around. And while I was there tonight, big fish did roll on the surface. Now, every now and then, a mm-hmm. common carp or the red horse sucker, which is also in the river, uh-huh. will roll on the surface as well. But these were hitting aggressively, so it felt like sounded like they were hitting some on the surface. And I stayed there for you know a good hour. Never had a single. Uh, let me put this in perspective. Twenty twenty one fishing for me. I've caught fish every time I've gone out. 
until today when I told you guys that I was going, hey, I'm going to go and catch some fish uh-huh. for, for the podcast. You jinxed it, bro. So it's your guys' fault. You jinxed me. Oh, man. Man, uh, we, on behalf of the show, we issue an apology. I appreciate it. You know, watch this tomorrow. I'm going to go out really early, try and catch those big ones in that hole before anyone else does. Do it. I'll probably do it. I probably will, ca- will catch them. I won't be able to tell them about it on this podcast because... Hey, you know what? What? We'll get you sometime and we'll put you on the Instagram just so people can get an update. If I catch a fish, I'll send a picture of it to you. And we'll you post it. post it on the Instagram. Absolutely. And then they can see my face. So, speaking of the Duns, uh, we got in the river for a retreat this past weekend and Sarah Dunn took a fishing rod and caught a trout. Off the, she just ha- was towing her a spinner back behind her boat, and she caught a trout. That's incredible. Did I tell you about that? Well, you didn't tell me, but we were standing there, like, just ushering people in at Red Oak, and Sarah Dunn rolls up in a Superman onesie with a creel and a fish. Oh, yeah. It was probably about eight inches long. Like, it was... Okay better song. part of that story, too. Well, I mean, the best part is she caught the fish. But a cool part of that story was she was fishing with a little kitty rod so she could hide it in that little suitcase uh-huh. from anyone who would tell her not to take a fishing rod. <laughs> That's well, awesome. And I thought she was doing it as, like, a gimmick for her campers. I bet it kind of was. It, it kind of was. But, but she so also had a real hook on her. On I, was like, I was like, Sarah, are you catch anything? She's like, yeah, I got it right here. I was like, well, let me see it. She's like, well, it's at the front of the boat. I can't show it to you. So I was like, oh, okay. She's just saying that she did because of her campers. And then we get to Picnic Rock, which is a rock that we jump off of. Oh, she caught it before Picnic. She caught it before Picnic. I was like, I thought she. I saw her holding up. I was like, whoa. She actually did catch one. That That's is awesome. cool. I didn't actually hear the story. I just saw the trout when she was cleaning it. Dude, I couldn't believe it. It's That's amazing. So cool. From now on, I think I might, I might go and... Bust out my ice rod. You know, my fishing <laughs> rods are like this long. Oh, yeah. And drag that sucker behind my boat. So, man, Oren, to wrap up the episode, what has what has the Lord been teaching you here recently? Well, if you hand me my Bible, or your Bible there. There you see. are. <clears throat> this morning and the last few mornings, I have been reading Psalm 6 before doing the rest of my quiet time. Um, and... A good friend of mine recommended, he said, he just texted me out of the blue and said, hey man, I feel like you need to read Psalm 6. So I want to read it to you, the listeners, and you, my gracious hosts. Thank you. This is a Psalm of David, and he wrote it. And to preface this, I love, well, a lot of time we talk about how David is super, just visceral almost in his mm-hmm. you can read his passion and his his anger his joy his sorrow and i feel like this is a really good one because it's a very short it's only 10 verses and it is eight verses of lament mm-hmm. and then two verses at the end of victory and i feel like it's been so impactful to me because it is how the believers should react to their own sin or the sin of the world around them. Mm-hmm. And if we're not having this mindset, if I'm not having this mindset, then I'm not approaching sin accurately. O oh Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O oh Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O oh Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is also greatly troubled. But you, O oh Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you, and in Sheol, who will give give you praise? 
I am weary with moaning. Every night I fill my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. And I love that, that ending right there when he says, they shall be put back and put to shame in a moment. Mm-hmm. Because in the, mo- like, in the moment, for David, while he was, I'm sure the enemies, whether it be his own flesh or the world around him or both, seemed very strong at the time. Yeah, right. And he was being shamed for not partaking. Or, you know, it's hard to say what he was, but in my own life, I'm like, okay, when I'm being tempted or when I see the turmoil around me on the news, in my own community, whatever it is, it doesn't seem like the shameful thing. I'm, in fact, I'm the one being shamed for either not following after my temptation or not partaking in what I see going on around me. Mm -hmm. But... There's hope because for the believer, we know that ultimately all things will be put right. And when God judges the world, it will be put to shame in a moment. And we'll see it in its true light, how God sees it. Hmm. And it's been so powerful to me because in in either pers- confronting personal sin or how we perceive the world is no matter how strong it is or how right it seems, we got we to gotta see it through God's perspective. And I want to be on God's side in this. Right. When this is the over and not feel shame for going along with it and believing it's stronger or right because it's going to be revealed for the shame that it really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And and David is just awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He has a psalmist. Something that we talked about with campers this weekend was that people in their sin who are enslaved to sin, like the worst part about it is they don't know that they're enslaved. Yeah. And like salvation cannot come apart from first realizing your need for it. Yeah. For salvation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so. Or at least desire for salvation can't come. Yeah. And it really reminded me of like, like I don't pray enough for the eternal security of others Mm -hmm. and for like, I need to daily pray, Lord, please use me today to have a an opportunity to have a conversation with someone about you and I don't actively seek those and I think a lot of it comes from I'm not as sorrowful about my sin mm-hmm. as I ought to be right which I know none of us are because right. naturally we enjoy our sin we love it we we should have the same conviction that David portrays in this passage. Right, when he says, I'm weary with my moaning, and every night I flood my bed with tears. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time that anything in our lives made us do that? I haven't flooded anything with tears in so long. The last time I felt flooded by tears was when I accidentally sent my little sister off of a eight-foot embankment on a dirt bike. Oh. But that's... <laughs> Next time. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man, that was super encouraging, very fun. I had a blast. I hope the listeners enjoyed it. You really put the variety in Variety Show. Amen. Well, when I heard 
the name of the podcast, the Con and Don Variety Show, I was like, this podcast is going to be great because they're going to talk about everything. You know, there's so many podcasts out there, but they're always topical. They're like, it's, yeah. it's, you know what they're going to talk about every yeah. time. Con and Don Variety Show, I'm talking about Snyder Cut one day, mm-hmm. Trout Fish in the next. Oh, yeah. What other podcast does that? None that I've heard of. Nah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> the Con and Don Variety Show. The Con and Don Variety Show. Yeah, baby, show. give it here. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That's what it is. That's right. We're living it. Loving it. Cool. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This was a great episode. Um, If you have anything that you want us to talk about next week, uh, DM us, and we'll get to it. But until next time, this has been the Conodon Variety Show featuring Orin Topanga. Otizzle Topanga. That to you. My bad. My bad. Um, Some weirdo. And now you're going to play us out on the Fadizzle. I would love to do that. I might as well. We, we had talked about Bill Monroe at the beginning of the show in Jerusalem Ridge. I might butcher this entirely, but if there's any Jerusalem Ridge fans out there, I'm uh, in for a treat. Oh, real quick. I have yeah. an update from Zach Vickers. Oh, yeah. Uh, if any of you don't know who Zach Vickers is, I'm sorry. I want to have him on the podcast sometime. Hey, we need to. Hey, hey, no, next time uh, he's in town, we should... You should hit him up. Yeah. He said that quote was from A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, I was telling you we were on the podcast, and we were yeah. trying to figure out where the quote was from, and he said, uh, yep, I think they might also quote it in The Dark Knight Rises because that's basically the same story. Oh, <laughs> dang. Oh, <laughs> he's right. I never thought about that. I'll have to check out this book because The Dark Knight Rises is pretty good. Okay, it's really good. The Tale of Two Cities is a tough read, but it's great. It's a good book. Oh, I'm up really? for the challenge. Yep. I still got to read Lord of the Rings, though. Okay, finish that first. Anyway, All right, yes, everyone. Play us out. Out.